this is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is Expecting Ariel's podcast, now with the Digit Network. How's it going, guys? Happy New Year. I'm so excited to be with you. It is 2024, and it is also the beginning of the fourth season of this fucking podcast. I cannot believe it. <laughs> Excuse the F-bomb, but uh, really, first of all, the time flies, and second of all, I can't believe I've been doing this. And I'm so I'm so excited to still be doing it because what I've learned and I've learned a lot is that there are so many more stories that are yet to be unearthed and to be shared. And I'm, I'm so honored to be, um, the one holding these beautiful, intense, uh, heartbreaking, glorious stories in the palm of my hands and delivering it to you guys. Um, and so we can all come together, even if we live on opposite sides of the world so I'm so excited to be here. When it comes to wrap your head around silks, lots of stuff going on, you guys. I am doing a teacher training, silks level one, this spring, fully virtual. The last one I did, I did a partial. I did a hybrid, and I want to try it differently this time so it allows a lot more people to participate. And I think we can pull it off. I think we can do it with videos and with Zoom. And I'm really excited. So if you're interested, just check the show notes. Send me a message, either a DM on Instagram or an email, carry at wrapyourheadaroundsilks.com, and we can talk about it. And then also, I'm offering you guys a free gift if you sign up for Roll It Out. It is a free four-inch ball. I would love for you to join me on the mat. We're doing Monday and Thursday nights starting January 8th, and... Um, yeah, it's like a really, really great way to maintain our aerial bodies uh, without spending lots of money and then also creating more community. So I'm so excited to do that. Lots of other stuff on my, stuff on my website. Just check it out. All right, guys. This is Kylie May. She is a mama, an aerialist, a doula, a yogi, a dancer from Florida who, who, lives, who lives in Florida now. She had a rainbow baby after a loss and had a 24-hour home birth. So she talks all about how it felt. I asked very specific questions about how it felt. And she also suffered from DEMER, which I'd never heard of. Again, I learned something new every single time I interview anyone. It's basically a feeling of depression and like homeless, not homelessness, like lostness when you're breastfeeding. Like it's not fucking hard enough, right? So I just learned about this. I have linked uh, deemer.org to the show notes so you can learn more. Or if you are experiencing this now and just didn't know it was a diagnosis, a diagnosed thing. I mean, how many more things, you guys? Anyways, okay. I'm so excited to bring you guys, Kylie. Let's get started. I'm always crushed for time. Like every single time I set anything on my <laughs> calendar, like I was like running and like stuffing the food in my child's face. I was like, how did this happen? I had the whole day. I didn't have any appointments before four. Don't ask me how that happened. It was crazy. That's how it always happens. Yeah. Um, so uh, listeners, I've been trying to get this happening with, Ky with Kylie for, for two months probably, just, just scheduling and being moms. And we're here. So we are here. We are here. Uh, Kylie, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? Not bad. Um, if you would just introduce yourself, your full name, where you live, a little bit about your family, a little bit about your aerial practice, and then I'll, I'll jump in. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, my name is Kylie. I am living in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, and I've been here for about 10 years now. Originally, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I have a husband who is a Jacksonville, Florida native, and we have a two-year-old son. Um, so I have been a yoga teacher since 2012. Um, movement and yoga and dance have been a part of my life since I was 16. And that all led into me getting into aerial arts in around 2015. I'd say when I moved to Jacksonville is when I found my aerial practice. Um, and that is where it all began. 2015. So you're like eight years in mm -hmm. and you have a two-year-old. Yep. So um, what do you do during the day? So I do social media management is my job. And then I also help another mom and I watch her daughter three days a week. That's busy. Yes. So lots of juggling. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I saw your pictures online. I was like, oh, that's an aerial mama. Let's get, let's, let's get into all of that. So, um, did you guys plan to start a family or was it a surprise blessing? It was a surprise blessing, but we were trying. Okay. So um, it just, so it just happened quickly. He's a rainbow baby. Ah, um, Okay. Yeah, so he's our rainbow baby. After I got my IUD out, we did have a loss. Um, and then we conceived with him about, let's see, I want to say eight months after that loss. Um, do you mind talking about that loss? No, I don't at all. Yeah, for I mean, for all the women out there who are going through that, what what was that experience? And was it kind of deep into the pregnancy or... Was it early? Um, so we miscarried around seven weeks, um, but it was definitely one of those scenarios where we were so excited. We could not wait. Um, but I was also very physical still in my practices. I was teaching probably four classes a week in terms of yoga and a lot of those were hot <clears throat> classes um and at that time i was practicing aerial mostly in the form of aerial yoga at that point i wasn't really i didn't have a space when we were trying to conceive where i could go for aerial sling or any other apparatuses so wow so i always tell people i really um, was saved by the way that my process was because we weren't trying in t with a lot of intention. Like we were just doing the SEX. She's sitting right on my lap, listeners. We were just doing the deed and not testing every month. Uh -huh. So when she was, when I found out I was pregnant with her, I was already seven weeks. And who knows how many what they term a chemical pregnancy. Who, who knows how many I had before that? Mm -hmm. I could have had zero. I could have had six. Mm -hmm. And after um, my friend Rachel had what they call a chemical pregnancy, I was like, oh my God, 
I'm so glad I never knew mm-hmm. because it just, it's so emotionally it, devastating. Yeah. Um, to know there was life and then there's not. Um, so, uh, yeah, my heart goes out to you because that's, that's really hard. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's one of those things where looking back on it, I, you know, I find gratitude for it because I am able to empathize with other people and women who experience it because I didn't realize how many do. So it's yes. one of those like double sides of the coin where I'm really thankful for my experience because then it lends me to be able to understand that for others. Yeah. And so, um, did you guys start trying right away? Did you take some time off? We took some time off. Yeah. We took probably like two or three months. Um, and then, We, before we were consciously going to try, um, I was just kind of trying to do some different things in terms of like my nutrition and upping my nutrition and my protein and just changing the way that I was eating to focus for conception. And then we conceived, we found out in January of 2021. All right. Um, And were you like peeing on sticks? Were you doing it like that? Um, I did notice, I could tell before my missed cycle, I was like, I think I'm pregnant. So I did take an early test. Okay. Um, and we found out right at the beginning. Okay. And so you were still in your practice. What did you choose to do during the pregnancy? And how was it? Did you tell us about your experience? If there was any things that stand out to you? Um, so I actually, before, before getting pregnant, um, I was, I became a doula. Um, so I became a doula because I've always loved birth. I've, I have a lot of women in my family, um, and just a lot of girlfriends and it just was something that interested me. So becoming a doula, I got to see a lot of different methods of birth and I wanted to try for a home birth. So we hired midwives um, and I did all of my prenatal care with them. And at the time their practice was in home. So they would actually come to my house to do all of my appointments and um, any blood draws and things like that. And then we my due date was November 2021, and after 24 hours, we birthed him at home. So it was a very just triumphant experience in terms of it was a big goal I tried to set for myself, and it was a lot more mental than it was physical when I got to the end of it. What was that like? to do the work of a doula after your loss. I cannot imagine being in that scenario. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. um, But it also, it helped me just to understand better. um, And also just to connect with clients. Like I said, it just was one of those things where 
I didn't realize how many women I knew had had miscarriages and just had never talked about it or it was something that they had never discussed. Um, and that was something that I realized it kind of helped in my doula work just because it allowed me to kind of have that connection with people and to be able to talk about it. Wow. Okay. Wow. I, I mean, it's like this podcast talks about stuff that is so hard and I think that's really high on the, mm-hmm. high on the list. Um, and your home birth, it was a 24 hour, like I am one of those women who was like, give me the drugs, give it to mm-hmm. me now. And I'm also an aerialist and dancer. Like I'm, I've, I've, I've gone through pain. What? Mm-hmm. And it's so different depending on who you talk to. Like, can you tell us how it felt like very specifically, like, cause I'm always interested in how it feels to women. Like I felt like when I was having contractions, like my butthole was going to explode. That's, it felt <laughs> like it was behind, not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's something too, like everybody that's, I think too, that's one reason I love like birth work and especially being a yoga teacher and just in love with movement and the body. It just all is together for me. Um, So that's one thing with labor is everybody, I think, feels it differently in their body. Um, And so like you said, like feeling it in your back or feeling it super low, like that's totally normal but I also think we don't have conversations like this often mm-hmm. in society so it's like we don't right. get to discuss what is normal for each of us um so for me it felt like the best way I can describe it and I when I talk to people about it is it felt like the most intense version of a period cramp. I would feel it like my entire body on my back and I would feel it really low in front. Um, But then there was like a squeeze at the end that I just, I mean, I moaned through it. I didn't, I'm not going to sit here and say I breathed through it because it was really, really hard. (laughs) It was really, really hard. And it was one of those things where because of seeing so many different variations of birth in my doula work, I knew that I had to prepare myself for it being a mental marathon. Um, And while it was very physical because I was actively in labor for 24 hours, it definitely um, just came, I came back to a lot of just like self-talk and affirmations and just reminding myself that I had the strength and that women before me had done it and I was going to get through it one way or another. Um, so it just, it was one of those things where I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be physical. And I tried to keep up with my physicality during my pregnancy, but at the end of it, it was absolutely mental. Cause it's just will, it's just willpower, right? Yeah. Did you feel like, and, and is the worst part, like as you're dilating, is the worst Mm -hmm. part more when you're dilating or is it worse when like you're actually pushing? For me, the worst, if I were to categorize, like the worst sensation would have been when his head 
ah. came out. And they call that the ring of fire. Okay. And because it was a birth worker, I knew it was the ring of fire. And I called it out to my entire birth team. I was like, ring of fire, ring of fire. So like, it's one of those things I'm really thankful that I knew what I knew going into it, but it also was hard for me to separate myself from trying to witness my experience versus just being in it. Uh, yes. And and when you say ring of fire, is it because like you can just imagine your entire opening just stretching to that to that degree? Yes. Um, do you know if you had or anything close to a hypertonic pelvic floor? Because it's so common for us to have really tight pelvic floors. Oh, yeah, definitely. Did you and did you know this going in? Did you like do a lot of work around it? I didn't going in. I afterwards, I did an online protocol for pelvic floor therapy. And for my postpartum recovery, I had I did chiropractic care and I didn't really do any standing movement until I was like six weeks. I just did a lot of floor based kind of grounded work. Um, But I didn't realize how intense it was going to affect my pelvic floor because it did. Okay. So if you had, I mean, a lot of the stories I've heard is that if you have a super tight pelvic floor and it doesn't, that it just rips basically, or it, or it like, I don't, what's the word? Because it just like, because it can't stretch as much as it needs to, it kind of breaks in a way. Mm-hmm. Is that does that resonate? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had. I didn't have any third degree tears, but I had a second degree tear for sure. So, and it's one of those things where, in the birth world, to my knowledge, there's not really like stretching or things that you can do to help really prevent it. Did your, because you're not a midwife, you're a doula. I'm a doula. You're a doula. So is there anything about that training that helped you in a way that had you not had that training? You know what I'm saying? Um, the training was really great. I just think in terms of doula work, because it's emotional support and not anything medical, there is no licensure. So there's a lot of varying degrees in terms of the doula trainings and what they cover because they are usually and typically a weekend like immersive and then you do or have to attend three physical births and then you have to complete the paperwork and then So there's usually steps involved. Um, And the training was good in terms of the knowledge, but I definitely think that I learned more about being a doula by being in the birth realm with everyone, just because there's, it's just such a different energetic exchange when you're in a birth. Um, And whether it's a hospital birth or home birth I just think it requires like a shift of energy and 
we got to do some good hands-on techniques for like low back pain um, and using different tools to help support during labor in our training. But I definitely think that me being in the community is where I got a better, I guess I could say bandwidth of just how important doula work can be. And are you actively working with clients there in Florida now? So right now I am not actively taking clients, but it's kind of shifted to the point where I have a lot of family and friends who come to me with just questions about birth because they know that I'm an open book for anyone. Um, And I just love that. I love that I'm able to be a resource and people feel comfortable coming to me and asking any questions that they have about birth. Okay. Uh, Going back to the aerial stuff. So you got pregnant What did you decide to do with your training? Because after a loss, I'm sure that affects a woman's decision, Mm -hmm. somebody's decision. What, what were you, what was your path? Um, so I, at that point, I cut back a little bit in terms of how much movement I was doing, but I didn't cut it back because it's something that I know is so beneficial for me and my mental and emotional health. Oh my God. People like are telling their most like important stories of their life and, and Bean's like, I need a pee. I need some Cheetos. Give me some ice cream. I'm so sorry. Do not apologize. Um, yeah. So yes, tell tell, continue to tell me about your process and what you chose to keep in, what you chose to keep out. Yeah. So, um, at that point I had, a rig in my backyard, um, only 13 foot, but I was using that for just kind of gentle hammock stretching at that point, still doing yoga. I really wasn't focusing on heated yoga. Um, and that was just kind of for me to pump the brakes a little bit. And then I did that kind of sequence up until we conceived with our son, Mayan. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, then, then postpartum. So you said you did the protocol for the PT. Uh, Mm -hmm. what were your thoughts about your body and how it responded and how long it took compared to how long you thought it would take? And then when you started going in the air again, I felt like in terms of getting comfortable in my body again, I would say it took me one year until I felt like I was really like, okay, I feel confident in who I am now. Um, So that first year I feel like was definitely, um, it's just such a, I don't even know a word for it. Um, it's such a stumbling <laughs> of like refinding out who you are with this new human and all of these new responsibilities. Um, so it was one of those things where right after I had my son, I was staying at home and I didn't have, I had 12 weeks off from my job at the time I was working as a virtual assistant. Um, and I had 12 full weeks off. So 
those first three months, I got to just soak in all of the time with him and it was great and it was amazing. And I just started really slowly with at home grounded movement. Um, that's when I started doing some pelvic floor therapy and I'd say it was probably like four months postpartum. Um, a good friend of mine, Kelly, she was running Jack's Beach Aerial Arts at the time. And it was a small little aerial program that is ran inside a local dance studio. Um, and at the time, she was the only person who was offering aerial because in Jack's Beach, we had a studio that was open for a while and then it had closed. So there was a while there where there was no space to practice aerial at the beach. Um, so Kelly had opened this when I was pregnant and I was excited to go. So I started going back and taking classes with her when I was about three to four months postpartum. Um, and we started with like a low slow, uh, low flow sling. Um, so I would start with that. And then I think I took a couple beginner Lyra classes. Um, and so that was really humbling because I hadn't taken Lyra since like two or three years, um, just because I didn't really have access to the apparatus. So I got to get on a Lyra again. Um, and then after that first class, I came home and I told my husband, I was like, I need to keep going to Ariel because I just had felt so good. And it, it felt like for me, it was the first time I was able to step outside of the house and just be me again. And I didn't have to just be a mom. Um, so Ariel from that point, I continued going to take classes with her until I was, was probably June of that year. Um, so like three or four more months. And then she had reached out to me because I am certified in aerial yoga to teach that. And she asked if I would sub her class while she went out of town. Um, so I was like, sure, of course I can sub and teach an aerial yoga version just with the sling. So I got to sub, um, and that was kind of like my re-entry and launching point to just like really connecting with her and Jack's Beach Aerial Arts. And, um, from there I started to teach like a stretch and flex class and then just aerial sling. So <clears throat> I've been with my aerial practice again. Now my son is almost two and a half and I'd say for about two solid years, I've been back to practicing being a student and then starting to teach. And it's been, um, <clears throat> it's just one of those practices that every time I get into a hammock. I'm able to just kind of focus on myself and what I'm feeling and what my needs are and what I want to challenge myself with that night. Um, so, yeah. 
You know, the experience I've always had with Ariel, I don't know if this is true for you. Let me know. Mm-hmm. It is one of the only activities. Uh, yoga is not part of this because I don't always pull it off in yoga. Where what I'm doing and I'm not thinking about anything else. Like in yoga, I can fully do the yoga class and thinking about my to-do list all day long. Yeah. But oh, yeah. Easily. And I, of mm-hmm. course, we all try not to do that in yoga. It's like, that's the whole point. That- Avi's at the gym, so so the zombies have to get the zombies have to get not the, the it's just the words of the zombies. The zombies are coming. Are they are they coming here? Um, are they gonna stay over at the gym? Um, there's, there's one zombie. There's one zombie at the gym. One yeah, zombie. I'm, I'm kind of nervous of zombies. You're kind of nervous with the zombies. Good good thing oh, they're not coming well. here. Yeah, good thing. Good thing. I like zombies. I hate them. <laughs> She's talking about the aerial gym, of course. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've always had that experience, and that's one of the many things that draws me to it. Like, the, the being in the present, it, it is kind of automatic with aerial for me. Do you have that experience as well? Oh, yeah. And my... Um, my aerial yoga teacher, Lisa Long, she's an amazing woman. Um, she was the first instructor of mine. And I've taken yoga trainings. I've taken a mobility training. And she was the first instructor of mine to really hone in the concept of proprioception. And that was just like such a game changer for me of just like being aware of where my body was in time and space and how I can control it and move with it. Um, And when I think about it now, I do think that's why even like you said, outside of yoga, even outside of dance, um, I don't find, I mean, I feel like dance, I find it a little bit more so than yoga, but I feel like in aerial, it just allows me that connection to flow state where that's what I'm in. I'm just in a flow state and I'm not focusing on the external and it's more of just like an internal awareness. Yeah. And I, I think that's what, um, a lot of us get that. That's one of the biggest benefits because otherwise you're just like always, like so scatterbrained and all over the place and when you're in there it's like the one single focus you can focus on yourself and I I think that's it that's a huge blessing for me um two years okay so how's your balancing act there in your home uh when it comes to the kid plus you plus your work um what is that like it's pretty at this point I have a decent routine. Um, thankfully I do have a super supportive partner. So I'm able to, whenever I want to go up for open gym or just kind of like training, I am able to take that time right now. I'd say I'm averaging probably one or two training days out of the house. And then I teach just one night a week. Um, and for me, that's, that feels good and it feels like a good balance because I am moving and stretching and doing like kettlebell workouts at home. Um, Cause I've never been someone who's been super physically active. It's always 
been in the realms of dance and yoga, mobility. Um, but when I was pregnant, I started incorporating a little bit more kettlebells and a little more weights. Um, and I just, I think that's why I love aerial just because I love being able to lift myself and using that as training. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, and then two, did you, did you end up, um, breastfeeding? Yes, we, we are still breastfeeding. You are still there. Okay. How do you feel about it? I'm so ready to be done. (laughs) I did till 18 months and I have to say right up until the moment we stopped, I didn't know she was ever going to stop. Like she was just in love with. I know. And that's how I feel. It's, it's one of those, like, and I have, I've had a couple different, like, where I go to, like, my stories on Instagram. I'm like, I need help. How does this? And especially at two, because I was convinced that we were going to be done at two. I was like, he's two. We're done. It's going to happen because we actually went to Halloween. And I figured that was, like, our first weekend away. But I came back, and he still wants it. And it's just, it's one of those, like, internal struggles of... I know he's fine without, I know he will be fine without, but I also don't want to manage the meltdown. So we're at this point point where, because I am still in the home so much with him during the week, um, I feel like I can't just fully stop yet. Oh, okay. Um, Oh man. I know it's, it's one of the, and it's another one of those things where I just don't feel like it's talked about. It's one of the, I, I, my journey with breastfeeding has been very hard. I had something that was called, I didn't even know it existed. It's called Demer and it's dysmorphic Demer, D-M-E-R. And it's dysmorphic milk ejection reflex. So what it is, is basically when our bodies let down the dysmorphic, dysmorphic what? Dysmorphic uh-huh. milk. Okay. Ejection reflex. Reflex. I have never heard this out of three years of doing this damn podcast. Yes, I never heard of it either. Being a doula, I never heard of it. Okay, and please, please educate. What? Okay, so when? Yeah, so. It's pretty interesting because my, when I was like three months postpartum, I went to a ther- my therapist and she was, I was explaining to her these symptoms. Basically when every time I would nurse, the best way I could describe it was I felt homesick. I just had this really like deep feeling of like, this isn't what I should be doing. And then it would trigger some like anxious thoughts and I'd be anxious for about five minutes max is how long it would last. And then it would subside. Like once he was actually nursing, it would go away. And I told my therapist this and she was really great, but she just, um, she pretty much was just like diagnosing it as like a postpartum depression. Um, and I just, I knew it wasn't that I was like, it's, it can't be, a depression because I don't feel it 24 seven. And it's not something that is like lingering. And I've experienced depressive states before. And it wasn't that it was solely when I was feeding 
And then it would just kind of go away. And it was just this thing that I started not looking forward to when I would nurse. And Okay, just by the um, way, that's awful. Like, yeah. yeah, it was awful. That's why I, I don't, there's some days I'm like, how am I still doing it? And it's much better now. It, it subsided a lot around like nine months to a year. It really started slowing down and I wasn't feeling it so much, but it's essentially just your dopamine drops in your body. So it creates this internal like the best way I could describe it is a conflict. Like it feel, it just felt like an internal conflict. Um, and the only reason I knew what it was and I brought the name to my therapist was because of Instagram. <laughs> really? There was the, um, the account, the little milk bar. She is a mama who is all about breastfeeding and she shared that she experienced it with one of her kids and she was saying it just as like hey if you have these symptoms like you're not crazy this is a real thing and I was like that's everything I've experienced like she's right on the head with all of the symptoms and so I then took that I took the name to my therapist I was like I think this is what's going on with me and she said she was like Thank you for bringing this to me because I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it yeah. would make you feel, I mean, what a crazy symptom for it to be like psychological like that. Yes. And I had, I've had, I had people reach out to me saying that that was why they stopped breastfeeding, but they never felt comfortable talking about it publicly because their thoughts were so intrusive right, that right. it was to a point where they were like, get the baby off of me. Like, and, and that's real. And that's another thing. Like, I just like to have those conversations because I just don't think that people, I don't think we normalize just the the waviness of pregnancy and hormones and what we experience as women. I had um I had a friend who's male say this to me once and I was like it took me a while to like be like oh my god how bad is this but um I was I was complaining about a motherhood something I can't even remember but he's like well this is what you wanted right you want to be a mom and I'm like is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Is that helpful? Because, um, th that's kind of toxic, honestly, you know, because, <sighs> yeah, you can want something in your life and then a lot of things can happen. Like things that we don't mm. even know what they're called and they cannot be recognized by people who are already practicing. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I've never zero times have I heard that. So I know. I'm really glad that you brought that up because there's somebody out there who's like, I have this and mm -hmm. yeah, you are not alone. And it's one of those things where I, once I found it, I, um, I just, I feel like it's just knowledge to be able to help other people. There was a woman in a mom's group I'm in on Facebook and she was describing the exact symptoms and I said it, I was like, I would look into this and just research it a little bit, maybe bring it up to your care provider and see. And she, she private messaged me and was like, thank you so much because that 
that is exactly what I'm experiencing. And it's just one of those things where when we don't talk about it and I think too, it's a lot, it's just, it goes hand in hand with the breastfeeding of like, you can never judge, you can never right. judge a mother right. ever. Right. <laughs> we should never judge each other for the feeding journeys that we take because it is so different and so personal to each of us. Like, so. And after you realize what it was, like what was going on in your brain, did it help the actual feeling of it or was the feeling, because it's a hormonal thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the hormonal yeah. thing is so strong. It doesn't override it regardless of what you know. Yeah, it didn't help. Um, and that's where like, I I would say probably I felt a little crazy, just like, why am I doing this to myself? But it was one of those things where I think because it subsided, excuse me. I think because it subsided within the five to six minutes of him latching. Okay. That's why I was able to get through it. If it was the whole time. Yeah. I probably would have stopped and like immediately switched to formula. Okay. And you're still doing this. So have you just, is that just the way it is? And you expect that five to six minute feeling yeah, and well, now it's not it's not happening now. Knock on wood, and thankfully, okay, okay. I, I would say I haven't experienced the Demer symptoms. He just turned two in November, and I'd say the symptoms stopped probably back in like February, March of this year. Thank goodness! Holy moly! Yeah, and right now our nursing and feeds are just so minimal and short contact, but. Um, yeah, no, and it it is, it's one of those things where when I was in it, I was like, whoa. (laughs) And I mean, I, I, to be honest, like when I think back, I think that she weaned off because she just, it was like the, the whole, the, like the foods that were feeding her just became more of like her food source. And I think that is what happened, but I don't know. I have friends who went, you know, way into two and a half years and this and that. And, um, yeah (laughs) she asks me all the time she's like nipples I'm like yeah close for business yeah right close for business right bean (laughs) close for business um nipples close for business (laughs) um oh my goodness uh I am so glad we got shocked because and I I, I kind of like I you know I follow people on the Facebook page and I kind of know that it's going to be an interesting talk if we get on here but I love not knowing this stuff and and thank you for bringing up some topics that have not been touched before I think it's really important of course yeah no it was so exciting I love everything you share and I just think it's such a it's so nice to talk to other aerialist mamas so Thank you. Um, before we finish, is there any, if you have a piece of advice for any arrow mamas out there, whether it's the balancing act of having a kid already or if it's the getting pregnant, like, do you have, do you have some wisdom to, to share? Um, just be gracious with yourself. Um, the season I'm in is just like reminding myself that it's always changing. It's forever changing. And it's just how we move through it. Um, and just making sure to take that time for yourself when you can, because I think that matters a lot. 
And I don't think we hear that enough. Oh my goodness, I love it. Can you say thank you to her? Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Bean. Thank you so much, Kylie, for carving out the time. I know you're a busy mama and you got lots going on. So thank you so much. Um, your story added to the vault here of incredible, incredible stories from women all over the world. I hope that it helps you guys if you might be going through some of this stuff. If you knew about it or you didn't. Holy shit, I didn't know what a deemer was. I'm so glad I didn't have that. It was hard enough, you guys. I can't even imagine having deemer on top of postpartum depression and then not really understanding what's going on. Like I can't even fucking imagine that. That is crazy. The thought of that. All right, my friends, when it comes to wrap your head around Silk's teacher training coming in the spring, Silk's level one, let me know if you're interested in that. If you have not yet signed up for Roll It Out, we're hitting the mat every Monday and Thursday evenings. Um, and it's such a good way to keep your body out of injury. So I'd love to see you there. I get to see you in Zoom and really talk to you. This is amazing. And uh, if you want to hear more of the sound of my voice, who wouldn't? Greener Grass, I do this podcast with Kelly McVeigh, and we have so much fun. We talk about girl things. We talk about getting older. We talk about our bodies and blah, our kids, all the things. It's amazing. It's, it's good fun for when you're doing laundry or blah, you know, dishes, whatever. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really, really appreciating you guys. So thanks for being here. If you'd honor me with a five-star rating and a review, it would mean so much. Please, please. And then, yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Over and out. Wrap your head around silks and digital podcasts. This is the Expecting Aerialist. Bye.